Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's time for Mortgage Matters. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. This is the bumpers true today. It's Dan and Jason. Here we are in the flesh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Sneaking one in here during graduation week. Yeah. It is Good graduation week. It is. There's a, I mean, a Tascadero is not really done until next week, but it seems like a lot of schools are already wrapped yeah. up this week. Yeah, a lot of high school graduations. Has Cal Poly graduated yet? Or is that mm. next weekend? I'm so out of touch with yeah. Cal Poly. Man. Same. Mm-hmm. I went to Cal Poly to a baseball game up there a few weeks ago. I got some free tickets to the, the Cruco Clubhouse. I was like, all right. That was fun, by the way. always Every time I go to a Blues game or a Cal Poly baseball game, I'm like, we should do this more. It's so cool <laughs> to have it here. And then I don't go again for like another two years. Yeah, of course. Uh, anyway, I was on <laughs> campus. That's the point of the story. I was on campus, and I was looking around like, dang. It's different, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, my, and Trey was like, was that here when you were here? Was that here when you were here? And I'm like, man, none of that was no. here. And you could drive right there, and I used to park where that building yeah. is. <laughs> I know there's it wasn't like, even that long ago. They've just been building that place out. I know. I like to, over the main parking <laughs> lot there on Grand Avenue. Aren't they putting up a bunch oh, of yeah. new buildings over oh, there? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. huh? So you now you know you're getting old. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Talk about how things used to be. Yeah. <laughs> I went through a, a, a year or so ago. I drove through a childhood neighborhood when I lived in um, like Woodland Hills. <clears throat> just like yeah. San Fernando Valley. Yeah. You know? North oh, yeah. Los Angeles County. Yeah. I go go in there and it. Oh my gosh! I mean, things are always different. You remember as a kid, right? Things yeah. were so big and so crazy and awesome. And I just went back and I was like, I am absolutely positive because I still know the address that my house is right there. And now it's like a apartment complex that's next to four other apartment complexes that take up like blocks and yeah. blocks. Like, wow, so much yeah. has changed. I actually had to go down so to. I was staying down there. I was actually in the West LA area of, um, this week, and I I had to go down there for some stuff and stay down there for a couple of days. And I'm like, you know, it it's cool, but at the same time, how do you do this every day? <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't be. In oh, LA you just you have to succumb to it. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I was down. Um, went down a couple weeks ago. Visit my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Got her a bird for keep her some extra company. Yeah, She's really yeah. lonely since my grandpa passed away. But yeah, anyways, went down there and um, man, everywhere you go, yeah, just packed full of people, oh, people in every direction, yeah. and every on ramp, every off ramp. Yeah, yeah. uh, it's just crazy. There's just so many people, yeah. and I'm so wound out about it. I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. I can't uh-huh. stand the traffic. Can't stand the people. But I remember when I lived down there. Yeah. Like you just said, one day you just sort of like you have to wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, it's almost like the life's just beaten out of you. You're yeah. just like, yeah, just I'm going to yeah. fall in line. Can't get upset about it anymore. Uh. I'm just going <laughs> to wait with all these 10,000 best friends I have. Uh. 
to get on this freeway. Yeah. Crazy, <laughs> huh? Yeah. 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 Um, oh, yeah. So anyway, graduation. We had elections this week. Or the, uh, what is it? The uh, primary election. Father, can I make a confession? Uh-oh. Did you not vote? Dude, I didn't vote. Oh, really? This is the first time since I turned 18 that I didn't vote. And uh, I had every intention of voting. I was prepared to vote. And it was just one of those days where it was Tuesday. And Tuesday brings me down to slow. But that particular day I came down early because I had scheduled appointments before that. And so my voting station, obviously, in Atascadero. And I was down here, and it was just one of those days where I ended up running and gunning from one thing to the next. And then what happened is I end up, and I, the sad part is uh, I drive past my polling station like three times in the late <laughs> afternoon, and I see him there, right? And uh, then, um, man, I think when I was talking to you. You were in the Atascadero office. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I look at the watch, and I'm like, I got to go. I have to run to my house to get the stuff for baseball. And then race over to coach this baseball game that I had to be there, you know, at five. And so I'm like, man, I, I just couldn't pull it off. And then I thought I'll do it right after baseball. I'm right around the corner from it. It'll be, you know, 815, 830. I'll be able to zip in, vote real quick. It ends at eight, right? I guess. <clears throat> yeah. So point <laughs> is, I mean, I, I'm lame. I don't have a good excuse except for I feel awful that I missed it this year. That's all right. Not a single race was decided by one vote. So you can... Yeah, but you know, I always say <laughs> the reason I, 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 in, I'm entitled to whine and complain about all the things I don't like is because I do vote. Yeah. So now I feel like I have to sit quiet for a while. I was, um, but, <laughs> I was giving our receptionist a hard time because she's one of those... I don't care about that stuff. And what's one vote matter? You know, that kind of attitude. Well, <laughs> and then I'm looking because I think she's still registered at her parents' house, which is in Napomo, South County, which I think they are that yeah, district four supervisor, which is all of a 31 vote difference yeah. right now so with, every with a couple counts. thousand ballots left. To yeah. Count. yeah. So every vote counts in that race yeah. right now. Yeah. Crazy, huh? <laughs> there were a couple of elections. Uh, locally that affect our industry yeah we saw um tom bordenaro is going to remain as our county tax assessor he's been on our show i was gonna say friend of the show yeah um we we kind of laughed about it on that tuesday when i was still planning on voting he said are you gonna vote for tom again and i'm like yeah yeah i I mean i think so (laughs) now i keep hearing that commercial that tells me he doesn't go to work yeah but he's always i mean he's always been generous with his time to come on a saturday radio show for us i thought it'd be fun to play this (laughs) exactly right on pretty short notice at times and then the other thing that i gotta say i don't have enough experience with the assessor's office there's probably some people that do and can say he's always there or back up the claim he's there i don't know what the truth is but i just I responded to you that day. I'll respond the same today. The assessor's office works pretty dang good. Navigated through the whole housing downturn and assessment issues that went along with that. Oh, yeah. And not only that, they're super helpful. If you ever have a question, ever need help, 
people answer the phone, or you could walk into a friendly face. Super nice. It's not like was, going to the DMV. It was earlier that same day you were on the phone with the assessor's office, right? Oh, I talked to him once a week. <laughs> Uh, and they never know who I am. Not like I'm a big deal or anything, but I'm just calling. Hey, I have a question. You know, usually trying to make sure that one of our clients, somebody, you know, that we're taking care of or caring for doesn't do something silly that's going to affect their tax, tax base. So we're on the phone with them all the time. Not to mention website works well. I realize he's not responsible for running the website, but the content of the website's good. It's very helpful. Um, so I, I don't know, but, but it made me want to play a fun game. Well, what would they say about you, Dan? I don't know. <laughs> and then I thought, well, what would they say Let's about me? What would they air. say about me? <laughs> um, it'd probably be some stuff that would like hurt your feelings. <laughs> I'm sure. It's some good stuff. And some <laughs> of it, um, oh gosh, I gotta tell you, I'll tell you. Some of it you just let roll off, I would hope. And the, well, as I was saying that, I'm thinking... I would hope my skin is thick enough to do that. But Well, funny <laughs> funny this, a couple weeks ago, um, so I have a nine-year-old daughter, right? Um, nine-year-old girls, uh, first of all, family of boys, all I know is boy stuff. Had two boys, boys are both, um, well, now essentially high schoolers. And so I have a nine-year-old girl. And light of my life, love her to death. She's amazing. Girls are, they, they're crazy. There are <laughs> things that I'm dealing with with girls that I never dealt with with boys, and a lot of it's just in the peer circle. So there's this one girl at school, um, utter chaos. Everything she's involved with is, is a brat fight, all these things. And it's just, We've we've tried softly to try to create a little distance in the relationship. It's just not not healthy. And it's just age, you know. Things will be okay probably after summer. Um, but this mother of this other girl takes to social media, and my wife is friends with her on Facebook, so she tags my wife. Okay, she doesn't tag her, but she makes so many remarks like so that everyone in their peer circle would know that she's directing this at her and then just like proceeds to paint my daughter and my wife as a problem. Crazy, right? So crazy. And she shows it to me and she's upset and I'm like, that's like one of those political campaigns. That's so easy to let that roll off. That's not even close <laughs> to true. And the only people that are going to believe that are the people that don't even know you at all. So it has zero impact whatsoever on your life. And she's like, well, I guess you're just better at that than me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want people that don't know you to have some... I you know me. Opinion. I know you don't. You know me, man. I... Um, <laughs> Oh, there's very few things that get under my skin um, as when I feel like somebody has a bad idea of who I am, mm -hmm. especially if they're campaigning against me and I hear it, somebody else, oh, she really doesn't like you. And I'm like, what? I've, even in, I've never even had an interaction with her. That's not fair. Sounds like your political career is over before it started. Oh, man. <laughs> There's more than just that reason why politics is not for me. Uh, funny. No way. Well, <laughs> back to the actual results. Tom Bordenaro is going to remain our assessor. And then the other one was the county clerk recorder. Not a big surprise because Tommy Gong ran unopposed, but... 
Yeah, we'll continue to see his his stamp in the upper left corner of the uh, or upper right corner of the the deeds deed of trust. recordings. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that's exciting. Yeah, we'll have the district attorney and all that stuff too, but and the sheriff. Yeah, but, it doesn't affect our not, uh, not our mortgages so but, much. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, no. there's a lot of some of the results. I was like, well, why are we even voting? There's one of the I don't know assemblymen. What was it on? It was Cun- Jordan Cunningham yeah, and yeah. Bill Ostrander. Yeah, and then I read in the paper, it's like, well, they're the only two running, and the top two move on. So, yeah. I'm like, well, what's the point? Why are we doing this yeah, then? Yeah. This is dumb, right? <laughs> yeah, but okay, yeah, Bardinaro. I've dealt with him on a, a lot of different with your show and Dave Congleton's show. And he's always very approachable. He's always willing to come in and do the, you know do the interview uh, on the phone usually because he does have certain issues that yeah about his you know his uh, wheelchair and stuff like that. And I don't that was never brought up too. The guy is in a wheelchair. He's making every effort to lead this department. And sometimes he may be doing it from home. He's probably in the office too. I think as long as the job is getting done. That was great. That was sort of, I mean, that was what Dan and I talked about. It's like, you know, I can understand if, if you're going to accuse him of being absentee. Right. And by the way, I I don't want to really even dwell on this topic here, but he does a good job, but that was the commercials I heard is like the reason why, but I'm like, if it's, if it's that he's absentee and the department's mismanaged, uh, that's relevant information, but the department doesn't appear or feel mismanaged (laughs) to me in any way that I can tell. Yeah. So well, and, and I think he does a great job. The He's co- doing a good job. The whole idea of of being present, you know, is a some kind of indicator of how good you are at your job is I think kind of outdated with so many I mean with the way we handle our business, there's a lot of two income households nowadays, so parents have to juggle the kids and the work and so there's I don't know, we have an allowance at our business where Get the job done. If you need to leave at three to go pick up your kid and then come back and work at six o'clock, I mean, hey, do what you got to do because that's that's what it takes. Kind of life, yeah. Right? And and then I look around. You know, there's so many jobs where people are telecommuting and you know, or whatever. You know, doing all the webinar type stuff. So I don't know that being present in the office physically is as important as it. I don't think so. Once was when communication was more challenging. Anywho, yeah. technology, man. Yeah. In fact, I saw. Um, I was. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to talk to you about this on the air during the break, but <laughs> you and I were. We've had some great discussions through the years, some of which have been on the air about minimum wage and these things. Mm. And I saw a meme this week that read, you know, pointed me to read a couple articles that was talking about McDonald's intends to have like their their f- kind of. First point of contact in the restaurant soon is going to be automated as a as a result of some of the minimum wage stuff, and so you're as you were talking about an ability to telecommute and stuff like that made me think about technology. It's like, well, hey, well, some of these jobs you better be careful if you're not showing up, and that's because tech technology made it too easy for you to be somewhere else. How long before they just let the technology <laughs> right, just be you? True. Be careful, <laughs> make yourself valuable. You might want to go there. <laughs> right. Might want to go there and be seen and let them know that you're better. You are better than that. But on those days when you can't show up, make your value known. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Should be an everyday thing. Yeah. Well, it always feels weird doing a commercial break before we actually talk about anything um, of significance. So, um, 
Let's feel weird and do a, <laughs> do a commercial break. We have so much more time here to be relevant, so we'll work on that when we get back. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. With trade wars escalating, the market is seeing some serious volatility. Are you nervous? With banks not paying anything on their CDs, where can you put short-term funds for decent growth? Look no further than Century Financial Consultants. We have a new five-year guarantee product paying 3.6%. This product is tax-deferred unlike a traditional CD, and your rates won't change like an indexed annuity. You're guaranteed. Contact Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 324-7914. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Linen. The most critical part of buying a home is getting pre-approved for a mortgage. Pre-approved buyers are taken more seriously, enjoy a less stressful transaction, and close faster with no last-minute surprises. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
We love to visit LA. <laughs> yeah. We like being right here. Yeah. All right. Well, we uh, we weren't able to be here last week. Randy Newman was born in LA, by the way. Oh, okay. I was just double checking if he was a poser. <laughs> I was like, watch this guy's gonna be from Jersey or something. He wasn't. He was he was born in Los Angeles. Right. Um go ahead. Sorry. So last week we uh we weren't able to talk to you about the unemployment report. The employment report. Phew, <laughs> good. Which features the unemployment number. Um and the employment situation, right? The that's employment situation. The yeah, employment. we weren't able to report on that. So um, that's probably something that we should cover. And uh, and also, just for the regular listeners, it's been kind of a rough five months this year. Yeah? For unusually busy. It's been a milestone year, obviously, um, with both of us having big birthdays and you having a big anniversary coming up and... Well, and I started my anniversary with of our business. A couple big funerals. Yeah, there's been there's, some we've had deaths. a lot of all this stuff. It's yeah, there's just it's been quite a quite a roller coaster first five months of the year. So we've had to miss a higher than normal number of shows. So I just wanted to let you guys know that I think the second half of the year is going to be a little better. Um, and uh well a lot better it's gonna be a lot better. yeah we don't have there's no looking out there's not a lot of uh at I'm, least planned i'm not gonna absences. be here for the next two weeks i know <laughs> you're not but we got that covered but we got wow. that covered okay <laughs> let's see here we've got a caller we've got a caller uh we've got tom calling from san luis obispo morning Hello. tom yeah good morning hi hey i got a question for sure. you guys um probably a pretty dumb one but now, there's no dumb questions. Well, we have a, a house in San Luis Obispo that's uh, out by the airport, the Makerage, and we're both getting up there in age and, and trying to figure out paying off that mortgage. And is there a formula on paying off early um, the different, you know, your mortgage amounts? Because I was taking straight numbers, not factoring in interest. Sure. Um, so is there a formula you can find like on the internet that will tell you if I put $700 down extra a month for the next five years? Yes. yes. There's a there's a website. Um, and by the way, I, I look this up every time. So you'll find it the same way I find it. My very favorite amortization spreadsheet to do this with, um, just Google. It's Vertex. 42, um, and then it, amortization calculator or schedule or something like that will kind of pop up behind it once you type Vertex 42, but it's ultimately okay. an Excel spreadsheet, and in order to get the thing to function correctly, you need to be able to put in some of the starting information from your loan. So when did you get it, and then what right. is the you know the interest rate, you're paying monthly, it's a 30-year loan, and if you've already been making some additional payments, you'll need to sort of bluff somewhere in the middle, like last month, just kind of apply a payment that gets the current balance down to what it needs to, um, to what it is. 
And then from there, you can throw in, um, and I'm sure you're at least a little familiar with Excel, where you could throw in like next month's payment. So July 1, add 700 bucks to principal, and then you can drag that cell forward through the end of the amortization, and it will change, it will uh, reduce the final payoff date. It also shows you how much interest you'll save. And so then you could kind of monkey around with it. And one of the neat things is, you know, what I like is you can throw in quarterly payments or whatever, you know, kind of go and drop in those extra little payments that you think you might be able to sneak away with if all goes well. It's nice to have a little plan to pay a little more every month, but, you know, to have that idea of like, well, with a tax refund or a bonus check or whatever, I'd be able to throw in a little bit more. Um, and then that'll show you exactly when you'd pay off. Um, it's great, great tool. I use it most of the time when I'm um, crunching numbers with people and trying to help them figure out what the best thing to do is. I've got another yeah. another option for you if you don't know okay. how to work Excel or know how to spell Vertex or Vortex or whatever that was. Vertex. Okay. There's a, a website that I use all the time. It's mortgage X. Dot com the just mortgage dash and then the letter x dot com on the right side they have mortgage calculators the second calculator is one called additional monthly payments and you just put in your original loan balance the original start date of your loan the interest rate and term so you know 30 year whatever rate and then you can in the additional monthly payments you can pick a start date for that so if you've already started doing initial uh, additional monthly payments um, you can backdate it. If you're going to start doing it, you can you know put it as this month or next month, and it will show you how that will um, work out for you over the remaining life of your loan. Okay, and that was Mortgage X? Mortgage Dash, dash, X. dash X. Okay. Yeah. Hey, and Tom, if you... Uh if you sit down to the desk on Monday and, and can't really remember or you just want to walk through it, you can call us. Um, either of us would be happy to to pull it up with you and kind of show you, you know, if you feel like that would be helpful, you can call us at the office. Okay, perfect. Awesome. All right, guys, thank you very much. Hey, hey, thanks for the call, Tom. Thanks for the call. Definitely not a dumb question. No. Um, and by the way, as we're on this topic here, uh, I want to tell everybody um, – Grab one of those calculators and check it out. <laughs> I I do it just because I find it fascinating to know what just an extra fifty or hundred bucks a month. That's what I was going to say. You. So your mortgage payments twenty three ninety two. Well, what happens if you pay twenty four hundred or twenty five hundred? Um, some stuff happens, you guys, and it's cool. Uh, and by the way, the other the other great thing about making some extra payments that I think a lot of times people just don't realize: you pay an extra hundred bucks a month. You do this for a few years. Maybe you're in a good spot, right? Maybe you can pay three or four hundred bucks a month extra for a few years. Well, it only takes four or five years at a you know if you're paying three hundred bucks extra a month, all of a sudden you're fifteen to twenty thousand dollars ahead. Um, you can most servicers will allow you to call and recast your loan, which means that they'll sort of rerun the payment based on its current balance over the remaining term, which will give you a lower minimum payment. Um, that's a great thing to do when, especially if it's free, when things are going well, um, lowers that minimum monthly nut for in case life changes for you. Yeah. And um, I find myself giving that counsel a lot in the office is always plan ahead for that time when 
you know, right now you're comfy. Things are going good. You just got a raise. You know, you paid off your car, so that's six hundred bucks a month. You know, you don't necessarily need it in your retirement. Maybe it's time to throw it at the house. If you're doing that, um, pay extra when times are good. We all go through seasons when times are lean, and it's great to be able to have the lowest possible monthly payment during that time. Um, and so I just like to keep people reminded of that, that some of these strategies will help aid you through some of those tough times too. Yeah. Good reminder. We have another caller waiting on the line. We've got Jeff calling from San Luis Obispo. Morning, Jeff. Good morning, guys. Morning. Um, before, before we proceed, I just want to thank you so very much because several weeks ago I, I called in and asked about, uh, asked about buying a home in a mobile home park where you own the land. Uh-huh. And your, your answers were just so, so very helpful. And every time I listen to your show, I learn something. And I just want to thank you. Oh, awesome. Appreciate that. that. Yes. And um, if, if you could spare the time, the question that I have for today is, talking about paying off a home loan, once a person is lucky enough to be able to pay off their home loan, what kind of documentation does one need to secure, you know, to be totally safe so that, you know, there's no question about it. Right. Um, well, I'm, I'm yet to do this. <laughs> I'm yet to do this, Jeff. So I look forward to the day when, when I do this. But here's what happens when you make your final mortgage payment. You would get one um, even in a refi situation, right? When the loan pays off. If you pay it off, yeah. I mean, you get a reconveyance. Yeah, you're going to get a reconveyance, and then ultimately you're going to get a deed that you are the legal owner of this property. And that... Um, you know, that reconveyance where whoever the, the mortgage lender was that you owed, they were kind of seen as a significant player, and they're ultimately going to stamp the um, the deed and give you a reconveyance that you're, um, the property now is conveyed from them having an interest in it now to you just having an interest. And then those are documents to hang on to. They're also recorded in their public records. So... Uh, it's a bit different than like back in the Wild West when you had a deed and that whoever possessed that actual, it's like the pink slip to the property, regardless of someone's name, you just, this is my proof. So um, it's a little bit different today, but uh, certainly, certainly a goal to look forward to. Yeah, the reconveyance is your proof of paid in full. All right. Th- thank you again so very much. Oh, you're welcome. All right, Thanks Jeff. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Thanks Appreciate for the call. It. Um, we're on that topic. I, I kind of just want to circle back real quick to the amortization schedules and calculators. Um, like I said, I find a lot of my conversations, uh, with clients, um, are really focused on this idea. And I want to give you an example right now because, I have a a refi loan. I know gasp, right? Refi? Who's doing refis? Um, I have a transaction right now for a a lovely gal who um, has a dissolution of marriage agreement, which requires her to refinance her husband uh, off of the loan and off of title and give him some proceeds. So, um, that's the transaction that we're doing. And she came to me and she said, Hey, I really like to do a 15 year fixed rate loan. And I know this gal professionally and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to suggest that, um, 
since her marriage um, was dissolved just a few years ago. She's been working hard to develop her business and grow her business, and I know that that's not easy. And I also know, as a small business owner, that there are kind of economic cycles that we need to pay attention to. And so, anyhow, the conversation started, you know, can I qualify for this? I did some number crunch and said, yeah, you can qualify for this right now, which is awesome because a year and a half ago, she couldn't qualify for it. And this was a real source of stress and angst for her. So she worked very hard to be able to qualify for this loan and then immediately said, can I get a 15-year loan? You know, at my age, I'd love to have my house paid off in 15 years. It was essentially paid off today and this cash out going to her ex-husband. Um, so I just want to do 15 years so I can be set up in a spot to be done. And um, my counsel back to her was, look, you know, the 15-year loan, the interest rate's closer to four. And on the 30-year loan, the interest rate's closer to five. Uh, understood. Like, I get that. So, you know, that spread on this loan, it's $175,000 loan. So it doesn't make a tremendous difference, but the amortization really does. And so... At the end of our conversation, what I end up sharing with this gal is um, let's do the 30-year loan and I will help you. I will tell you what the 15-year payment is. And every month that you're able, make the 15-year payment. Um, and if all goes well and your business continues and the, econ- the economy holds up and, and you're just you're comfortable with your cash flow of life, um, by all means, make the 15-year payment. Heck, you could even throw a little bit more on there. But if we do a 30-year loan, um, you're never going to be in a spot where you wish you had a lower house payment. It, you know, so I, I, I've been doing loans for long enough now. Um, I have these kind of flashbacks to these interviews where, um, as you guys could imagine, um, I have wife call who husband and wife came in to do a loan together and wife calls and says, my husband passed away last week and, um, you know, we're now I need to talk to you to figure out what to do, man. There's nothing worse than sitting down with somebody who just lost their spouse, figuring now that they can't afford their house payment. Um, that's awful. Their world's already upside down. I like to plan for the worst case scenario. Um, if you you know, and and it's not true for all people. You have a pension that's going to survive the loss of a spouse, or you have retirement income that you know you're going to be okay. You can anticipate all these things. That's great. When you're self-employed, you really need to contemplate things like, well, what happens if you get cancer? Uh, what what now? One out of one of us get cancer? <laughs> it's crazy, right? So you got to plan for that. And. Um, so anyways, that's one of the things about those calculators that I really love is we look at it and say, okay, the 15 year loan would save you a lot of money, would save you a lot of money and interest. Um, 30 year loan, one of the things that you're for all that extra security and that extra, um, ability to have that lower payment, if you really need it, uh, there's some value to that. Yeah. There's a little bit of cost there too, but we can really isolate what that cost is, um, so it's almost like you're kind of the extra interest you're paying. I like to think of it as a little bit of insurance, you know, safety net insurance for what if. So um, just food for thought there. And I also think it um, it's helpful for a lot of you guys to see the way that we think. Um, we really are trying to think about our clients' uh, best interests. What you know, I, I end up telling people oftentimes too. 
you know, depending on how old you are, like if you were sitting in my office, Dan, I'm going to give you advice like you're my brother, you know, we're in the same peer group, we're in the same age and we're somewhat relatable. I want you to know, I really do. I'm thinking about you like you're my family and I want to give you an answer that um, would never keep me awake at night. I'm not making any kind of decisions or advice or anything based on what's in my best interest. Um, there's no way. So I really want people to have a sense of that, that that that's the culture of our company is we want to, we want to make sure people's eyes are open to, um, things they're thinking about things they aren't thinking about, um, strategies, solutions, avoiding problems. Um, and just, I mean, ultimately going to empower you, you're going to make your own decision. It's just our job to facilitate um, as much as you care to learn or know about the impacts of your decision so that you can make the best possible choice. Yeah, we help you think of all the what-ifs you might not be thinking about. So we see it every day. Well, very very often um, people don't plan on getting divorced. Talk to most married couples, even when it's kind of rocky. <laughs> it's like it's like you're, you're in it and you're working on it until you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. You're... You feel good, right? You're going to work every day. Things are going good. All of a sudden, what's that lump in my throat? Now you, you found out on Wednesday you got cancer. You didn't plan on getting cancer. Um, you know, there's all those kind of things where, and I hate I hate that it's it feels morbid or like negative or something like that. But I got to tell you, I, like I said, I've been doing this long enough now that I get those people back at my desk. And the worst thing is you got a guy come in and say, hey, man, I'm fighting cancer. Wow. Well, you look good. How's it going? Oh, dude, I'm behind on my mortgage and I need help. Now, you know, here's pro tip. Highlight blinking lights underlined four times. Pro tip right now. Pro tip. Huge pro tip. (laughs) Don't be late on your mortgage. If you're about to be late on your mortgage, you need to talk to us before you're late. Um, Being late is like going to the penalty box for 12 months. Um one of my wife's really good friends called me this week. I think it took her a long time to work through the shame of it, but she called to say, we're circling the drain. Um, we have a ton of equity in our house, but basically they got an inheritance. We're foolish with it, right? Squandered it away, lived like they were balling, found out at the end of the year that there was taxes to be paid on the inheritance. So now they're into the IRS for 40 grand. No money. Okay, IRS set them up on a payment plan, fifteen hundred bucks a month, which is causing them to not be able to pay their credit cards, which kicked them into default rates, which now they're behind on their mortgage. They call and said, "We have three hundred thousand dollars equity in our house. If we can take that equity out, I can pay off all these credit cards. I could pay off the IRS and get back to normal." It's a major life lesson. I'm happy that you called now. Um, you need to figure out how to tread water for 12 months. I can't help you when you have a mortgage late in the last 12 months. So that's my, again, that's my other pro tip. Bold circle flashing, underline this four times. Do not wait until you're late to call for help. Um, and yeah. Well, and then it gets even more complicated once you start going late on multiple things, because even if you are able to piece together the mortgage payment for 12 more months, are you letting other things go, which is just keeping your credit score at a depressed level? And, you know, you're just, it's a hard thing to work, dig your way out of. So to address it before you even get there is the right approach. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, and, you know, you guys, you know what the, um, you know what the symptoms look like for this. 
all of a sudden you're making minimum payments on your credit cards. Now your credit cards are getting full. Um, and then you're depleting the rest of your savings. Oftentimes, so many times I see these people show up and they also just took money out of their retirement, Yeah, which is boom. That's, you got penalties now and interest on that. And, and, that now IRA you money, owe the IRS. That IRA money or 401k money, that's supposed to be the money you forget you even have until you're of retirement age. Oh, man. So, yeah. Don't well, And so then in the heart of it all, now you owe the IRS too because that bumps you into the next tax bracket and it wasn't yeah. planned for and all these things happen. So when you find yourself in that position where your budget is unsustainable due to debt or due to some kind of a, a life event that has you scrambling – um, you got to work ahead of the curve and we're not, I, I, I guess I need to insert right here to tell you, we're not financial advisors. I, I, I have zero certification to be doing financial advice. I'm like the guy that, um, I'm down in the trenches every day, having the most intimate conversations with people about the guts of their finances. Um, and I just, I can just help you know what your possibilities are and how to avoid catastrophic failure. Uh, beyond that, I, I'm no financial advisor. I got no advice for you on where to invest. In fact, if you follow my investment advice, you probably just lose a bunch of money. Well, Dan will know. tell you that. Some, about that. I've had some good. good I've had some bright spots and some real dark ones. Yeah. Don't be uh, Debbie Downer on yourself. Do Derby. we need to do? Uh, yeah, but real quick yeah. before we do that I, you brought up something earlier you know so kind of flipping this conversation back to the person who maybe isn't in that spot they have a little extra a little disposable income you oh talk, yes you palate talk, cleanser you talked about the idea <laughs> of you know if your mortgage payments right around 2400 what if you just made it 2500 what's that do for you i plugged that i went to mortgage-x.com and used their little additional monthly payment um, calculator here and if you have a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan at five percent, your mortgage payments twenty four fifteen a month, the principal and interest anyway. If you make it just a hundred dollars more per month, that hundred dollars a month saves you forty thousand dollars of interest. That's crazy. You pay your loan off three years early, and you save. 10% of the total interest that you're going to pay. Yeah. And so here's the other thing it's crazy. too. Um, I love looking at that stuff. It's so fun for me. I want to drive you, and this is kind of from the refi cycle, but I want to drive you back to just thinking about paying your house off three years early. Cause you just said the mortgage payment is 2,500 bucks a month. So 2,500 times 36, that's 90 grand. Over that three-year period. Mm-hmm. So n- not savings, okay? This is just checks you didn't have to write because you got that principal banged out early. You saved your 40 grand interest. That's 90 grand at the very tail end of your mortgage. Um, you know what else is cool about the very tail end of your 30-year mortgage? You're getting close to retirement. And they have, catch up. they have catch-up. They have catch-up amounts into your retirement accounts. Right, right. Yeah, all those things. Uh, maybe you are retired. Dude, 90 G's to go travel? You could Dan, what kind of traveling can you get done in the next three years if I just lobbed you 90 grand? Ooh, I I could do some things. Dude, you could do some things. (laughs) That's good traveling. So um yeah, basically that's something I always love to um I I picture it like remember when you were little and well you have little kids right now, so you might still be doing this too. Sometimes you really need to grab your little 
right by the cheeks. My mom used to do this to me. She would grab us by the cheeks and squish our lips into like the, you know, the fish lips and look you right in the <laughs> eyes and tell you, right? Usually something like be on your best behavior. But that's something where like I wish we could take every homeowner and just squeeze them by the lips like that and say, hey, just add the 85 bucks. Just round that thing off. Like I said, if you pay off your car loan, what are you doing with that 500 bucks a month? Don't just go blow it at the arcade. Figure out something to do with it. Here's a great thing to do with it. That moves the needle, man. It really does. And I know it sounds silly, but it's so crazy um, because of compound interest over long periods right, of amortization. Right. It's a huge deal. Um yeah, so get a raise. Throw a bonus at it. Um, I know because I have three brothers that are paramedics. They get a paramedics bonus at the end of the year. It varies, but it's thousands of dollars. Throw that at the mortgage. I know it's not fun. It's not a 85-inch flat screen in your living room or whatever, but look, dude, paying your house off four, five, six, seven <laughs> years early. Um, it's not hard, by the way, to figure out how to get your house paid off seven years early. Uh, by paying a little bit of extra, it's crazy how fast these things add up. <laughs> you know what's cooler than having an 85-inch television? <laughs> Not paying interest. Well, <laughs> yes. And let me just tell you, too, um, how many times in your life did you have the brand new awesome technology that was the drool of the neighborhood? And then it's outdated next month. <laughs> <laughs> so <Right>. lame. <laughs> Same thing with your car. Yeah. You know? True. I was talking to this guy... We parked next to each other. Um, we'll punt on it. <laughs> Talking to this guy, we parked right. next to my truck next to his truck, you know. Like, yeah, my old girl's got like 210,000 miles on it now. Totally content with it. Dude's got a $75,000 truck. And I'm just thinking, uh, the whole time I was just thinking, yeah, I mean, I, I sure, I got some envy. That thing's got some cool features, things like that. But guess what, man? Five, ten years down the road, that thing's going to be totally like worth a quarter of that. My beater will probably still be on the road and be worth, you know, doesn't even matter. <laughs> and uh, it just strikes me. Well, and I knew a little bit more about this guy and like his personal financial situation. But I'm just kind of thinking... It's one of those things just looks flashy from the outside, but you could really be moving the needle with that $700 a month truck payment going into your mortgage or doing something else. You know, it's a lot of money. Challenge, challenge people to think, think about things a little bit differently, I guess. Um, you, you know, never know. Absolutely. Got to do it. That's a, that's a big payment. Getting rid of that thing is a, getting rid of that mortgage is a big deal. Well, if you're self-employed too, when are you going to retire? Chances are it, it aligns. It has a lot to do with that mortgage. <laughs> yeah, payment. it's true. Yeah, chances are it aligns with when you're going to pay your mortgage off. <laughs> um, All right. Well, I think it was about 20 minutes ago that I I hinted at the unemployment, the employment situation report, oh. and I feel like uh, we've got this this perfect window of opportunity to talk about it. Um, so last Friday, about eight days ago, we had the May employment situation report that looked pretty darn good. And yet again, another tick downward for that 
headline unemployment rate to 3.8% nationally. Um, we added another 220,000 jobs. And the exciting thing was hourly earnings showed a little extra juice uh, for the month of May, increasing 0.3%. That's pretty great. Yeah. If you annualized 0.3% in a month over the course of the year, I'm just a, just a state school kid, but that's three, that's three <laughs> can, and a half percent. That's I pretty good. Basic multiplication. Did you get a three and a half percent raise this year? What if you got a three and a half percent raise every year? Oh, that'd be great. That's kind of like I that think, interest thing we're I talking about. That adds up over time. The idea. Ooh, yeah. can we squeeze in a call too? We've got Betty calling from Pismo. Good morning, Betty. Good morning. I have a question of you. I'm sure you can answer it. Uh, we'll do our I, best. I am puzzled. Anyway, my sister passed away, and my two children inherited her house. And when she bought the house back in the 90s, her taxes, you know, were about maybe over 3000 a year. Okay, the kids got it. And my God, they want now for property taxes over nine thousand. You know what I'm talking. Yeah, 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 definitely. Does that? Now see if I understand it. Does that mean, like the house down the street from her, which was like hers, sold for over eight hundred? Does that mean that they are taken? Uh, that eight hundred thousand, as an example, for her uh, taxes. Yeah, more or less. I mean, the county assessor's office has um, folks on staff that are. I mean, they're appraisers, and they know what properties are worth. And you know, one of the th- what you're describing is ultimately. I mean, it's related to Proposition Thirteen. Uh, which is what keeps your property taxes low and well, kept your. Wait a minute, let me interrupt. Yeah, she was an aunt to them. Right. So, so she there's wouldn't a... be as close as I would if something right. happened to me. Right, and there's an exemption that goes from parent to child or child to parent. So. Um, if something were to happen to you in the same situation, your children could technically um, inherit your tax base on that if the if the paperwork is done correctly. So, um, but it, it doesn't apply to an aunt to a nephew or niece. Um, yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, what happens is that's a reassessment situation, and the county. Um, basically applies a tax rate at the fair market value of that property um, and that protection that she enjoyed from prop 13 through the years is gone and so that's what that's what the taxes today would be for somebody that bought that property just like the person right down the street and so um it's funny this this opens this whole conversation about prop 13 because um if you are enjoying Prop 13 protection from good low tax base. Usually you're a pretty big proponent for Prop 13. (laughs) And if you're somebody that's buying new property just today, it can be very frustrating to buy a house right next door to somebody like your sister who, um, you know, is paying three thousand dollars a year and for all of the same services and you know all the tax base going into our county 
the you're as the new homeowner are paying nine thousand dollars per year that doesn't feel very good so um it's definitely a point of contention but that is how it works for us currently so in other words my sis died at the wrong time huh um hi well unless she had kids to pass the property down to it Whenever she transfers to a non-child, it's gonna. There's gonna be a reassessment. Yeah, so I don't know that timing was really yeah. a factor yeah. so much. Well, I mean, unless yeah, unless timing-wise, it occurred in 2008 when or nine, you know, when when prices property were values depressed. were at the the total troughs. Right. Betty, thank you very much for your phone call and um, condolences for the loss of your sister. Thank you. I know um, you said the timing wasn't great. Oh man, the timing of losing a loved one is probably never great. So, um, yeah, I was having this conversation. So you had a referral from a buddy of yours in high school that, um, knows a fellow in New York that's moving here to the central coast. Yeah. They're coming out here in a couple of weeks, but so he was calling me because we're, we've been talking a lot and, um, working with him, but he's, so he's looking at property tax. He's like, I don't understand. He's all, now I'm trying to figure out how do I search for these properties that just have the low taxes? And I'm like, oh, buddy, those are just homes that have been owned for a long time. You got to <laughs> study up on Prop 13. So we had this, basically this whole conversation about if you owned it for a long time, you're going to have low taxes, there's going to be a reassessment. Do not consider that in your search for buying because you are going to get reassessed at the new rates. Um, and so he's, he's kind of like, well, that kind of, feels kind of silly. And I'm like, yeah, unless you're, you know, one of our, our uh, senior citizen owners that have dirt cheap taxes from forever ago. Yeah, it's all relative. Buy a house and talk to me in 30 years. Let me know how you feel about Prop 13 then. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. See, it just depends where you're on the scale. As soon as you own, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Guys, it's time for the top of the hour. Commercial break will be out for about five minutes. We'll be back with a whole other hour of Mortgage Matters where we'll talk about the employment situation and some more economic stuff. So stick around. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Welcome back. You know, last break we came back with uh, I love L.A. I love L.A. Randy Newman. Newman. So I lean over to Jim and I say, you know, The Dead has a song called West L.A. Fadeaway. There you are. So here we go. You're you're my Grateful Dead consultant. (laughs) Well, their repertoire is so big that you could probably find a... A song relevant to most most of the things we talk about. Awesome. 
Cool. <laughs> this is some studio dead, too. You know, this appeals to the people that don't even really like the band. Studio dead. Is this a hook coming up right now? Yeah, right here. We got the hook. If I'm not mistaken, this song was written by the dead and one of their writers about um, like the drug scene in LA and like Belushi, like talking about nice being too into <laughs> too into drugs. Not, All right, not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a like an anti drug kind it's of thing. Like the negative impact after school specials right here in your musical life. form. Yeah. yeah, you could have told me it would have been about, of all the good times in Brentwood and that part of. West L.A. Right. Nothing about the drug scene. <laughs> Do they still have after-school specials? Yeah. I it's doubt it. Thing. I doubt it. Oh. Now it's just all Nickelodeon, like... We have to play one of those... Cartoons. Yeah, we got we got I got to... Maybe we'll try to do a bumper, like, you know... Conjunction, junction. <laughs> the more punch. you know... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. star that creates the rainbow and knowing <laughs> is half the battle yeah, there it is uh, alright well last hour we started to uh, to get into some of the news wait you don't want to talk more about the 80s and 90s no oh. yes. my, somehow my five year old has picked up on this phrase that you know like anything that's old is from the 80s Oh, good. <laughs> he doesn't even know what he's saying, but he says it all the time now. Is uh, oh man, that truck's from the 1980s, or this, <laughs> something, something's from the 1980s. It's clearly not. It's like yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a 2005, completely different decade than what he's referencing. But he just that's like he just knows that's basically when stuff was in black and white. Exactly. It's now the the cliche of the household. Oh the well, week. just just wait. <laughs> it gets better, Dan. My kids now. Um, when we say something that's like clearly old or whatever, or it's in a show, they'll say things like, "Oh, that's that's like from the 1900s." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bud. Well. Like I said, we were dipping into some news of the last week, week and a half or so, and we started talking employment a little bit. Um, I don't know if you had to, if you wanted to expand on that, or if we should move on to the next. Um, no, uh, I I think we kind of started, and then you know, as much as we touched on the major stuff, we moved off of it pretty quickly. So the the important takeaways, if you want to sound smart at the water cooler. Hiring rose um, more than forecasts in May. So mm-hmm. um, economists thought we were getting some jobs, and we got more. Got a few more. Um, <laughs> the unemployment rate fell to 3.8%. Um, that's the lowest since 1969, if you're keeping track of uh, – if you are if you like to track the streaks. Um, what was interesting about that was it was expected that the – unemployment rate would actually rise to right. 4% because of that. We've seen this pattern where, oh, hiring's looking pretty good. More people 
move off the sidelines and become interested in getting hired. And so we see that participation rate rise, which um, actually leads to a higher unemployment rate because more people are actively looking for jobs. This time around, we saw the number actually go down, which means that the labor participation didn't pick up. So, So again, I'm always looking for these clues. Are we nearing full employment? Meaning everybody who wants a job, are they getting hired? There aren't other people just left sitting on the couch right now waiting to enter the labor force. And this May report would be a a little indication that maybe there aren't any more people sitting on the couch waiting to participate. Maybe they're all participating. So we'll see. We'll, you can't ever take one month of of data and assume it to be the trend. You gotta, we gotta continue to look. I at I have future questions reports. about the labor market that I really wish could be answered succinctly. For example, um, I have friends today that are, I'm doing air quotes, stay at home moms. Okay, mm-hmm. and as stay at home moms, they'll do. Uber, Lulu Row, sure, Cabby, um, DoTerra essential oils. By the way, s- s- very rarely does one of these persons only do one of these things. <laughs> okay, but those are ultimately self-employment arrangements. So they may have had a job and then didn't. For any number of reasons, sometimes it's a kid, sometimes it's, you know, the the job got crappy or laid off or quit or whatever, and then they become one of these self-employed people that um, those people are got to be difficult to track in terms of um, we, if you started selling um Dan, if you took up your doTERRA essential oil side business right now, you may not be on the radar until um, next April when it when you file taxes because you have a 1099 from doTERRA. Now you have a Schedule C that you didn't previously have. So I always wonder about that. Those people that have those jobs that are doing something that's a little bit off the radar um, – well, I think that's partly why uh, for, you know, I mean, some people say normal employment or normal unemployment levels are between 3 and 5%. You know, as high as 5% is acceptable and considered full employment. Well, I know. And I think there's because there's a lot of slack. I right. think that's what I would put in the category of well, slack. And people that are glass half empties are saying, well, look around. People are doing that stuff out of necessity because the job market is still soft. Whereas a half fuller would say, well, look around. Those people are technology time. Well, and or enjoy the freedom of pseudo self-employment backed by a company. You know, and my, my paternal grandmother was like one of the OG Tupperware salespeople. Um, And she was really good at it because she also was, um, did she was like a um an AA counselor 
right? So she always she had these groups and groups of like of women that came to her, and so then that sidewind right into Tupperware. While you guys are here, <laughs> who wants to Check host out the Tupperware table in the yeah. back corner? <laughs> uh, right. Um, but anyhow, my my point is that think about that forty years ago, uh, there was still. Those direct marketing, like multi-level marketing type of companies, but they were few and far between, right? You had like Amway. There's always been something like that. But think about today. Today, I mean, it's everything from like the Pampered Chef. They got like the lingerie parties. I mean, you didn't think about it is literally everything. So um, is that a result of more people doing those things for supplemental income? Is it a result of social media and technology? Um, however you want to be able to go chop the whole thing out, it's a significant part of today's job market. And I'm not convinced that everyone is in it for the same reasons. And therefore, it also makes them harder to track and harder to count, which is also what frustrates me when people say, well, that's because the job market is soft. It's like, well, is it though? Because I know some people that are selling Lulu Row that are making two hundred grand a year. No joke. That's crazy to me. You're selling the buttery soft leggings and making more than some CEOs do. That's crazy. So it's not. It's hard to argue that um, it's just because the job market sucks. It's it's become a pretty lucrative and respectful way to make a living. So anyway, um. The bottom line is is that the job the jobs market is pretty firm and like you said the the real bright spot in it is besides the beating expectations lowering the unemployment rate but we saw an increase um hourly earnings getting a little shot in the arm there too um so you couple that with what's going on in the housing market feels like things are doing pretty good right um yeah, but I think housing's where things still lag. And, you know, we can't talk about it enough, it feels like. It's the inventory issues. We saw um, new and existing home sales both declined in April. Right. Um, the annual pace of new home sales was for April was at 662,000. But it's important, though, when you say that, Dan, some people are listening and when they hear that the the pace of sales, whether it's existing or new, they hear you say that that pace has declined and that there there really there's a there's two ways here um, to think about this. And, and I want to tell you the correct one and then I'm going to tell you the other one and why you're wrong if you believe this. But but first of all, the pace has declined because not because there's inventory that's out that's sitting. The pace is declining because fewer homes are transacting. Um, and this is happening for a variety of reasons, and we've talked about these through the years. One is we have crazy demand, right? But here's number two. I've been saying this for years. This is going to happen, and this is going to compound the problem, and we're starting to really see it now. Um, want to trade in your three and a quarter 30 year fix on the house you're in today for a 5% 30 year fix for the house cross street that you like a little bit more. Guess what the difference is between that three and a quarter and that 5% is on equal loan amounts. A lot. It's almost 400 bucks a month for the average house in town. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about paying your house off faster. Think about throwing 400 bucks a month at it. You ran the numbers out on 
You know, basically say forty thousand dollars on interest, you pay an extra hundred. Well, if you pay an extra four hundred, logic would dictate somewhere in the hundred and sixty plus thousand dollars. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, we were talking about cars, four hundred dollar a month car payment. This is the same. We're just I'm just talking interest, buddy. Not to mention, um, we had a call. Was it Betty? Was Betty our caller? Betty was the caller. Yes. Um, Betty brought up property taxes. Guess what? When you cash in that house from four years ago, that was worth two hundred thousand dollars less then than it is now. Um, not only are we going to have my interest is going to go up by four hundred bucks a month on my just my new loan because I can't transfer my loan from one house to the next, but um, my property taxes on two hundred grand, my property taxes are going to go up two hundred bucks a month. So now all of a sudden I'm staring down the barrel of six hundred dollars per month. Just to switch homes? Guess what? Time to remodel. Time to be satisfied. Um, you know, I like new stuff as much as the next guy. But let me ask you this, Dan. Um, any dissatisfiers with your house? Is there anything you'd like to move and get something a little bit? Sure. School, kitchen. Extra bedroom. Yeah. Sure. We all could line something sure. out. I mean, otherwise you're dead, right? If there's not something you'd upgrade if money wasn't a thing. Um, 600 bucks a month? Feels pretty good where I'm at. Because <laughs> yeah. that's 7200 bucks a year. I mean, for some of us, that's more than we're putting into our retirement. So when you look at that, so circle back. I know I always do this. I just start blabbering on. That's why... Sales are declining in both existing and new home sales. Um, we can't build new homes fast enough because of simple, simple issues here. Red tape in the building process, yeah. expense in the building process. Time and money. Yeah. Well, and also land's a commodity. You don't believe me. Um, would you please point me to the area in your town where we could put in enough new housing to move the needle? I mean, Slow County has trouble figuring out where to fit it. Guess what? California has trouble figuring out where to put it. Guess what? The United States has trouble figuring out where to put new homes. So that's why new home sales are expensive. We we don't have the resources and, you know, the, the labor, all these. It's just expensive. It's hard. Um, and then, yeah, on existing home sales, why, why are you cashing in? By the way, to do so... Um, also is very stressful because you need to make a move to sell your house to buy the next. Most people can't buy the new one without selling the current one. So then what? Am I going to get caught like in between? Right? Right. That's a scary. It's like swimming across a lake. Yeah. Oh, I'm great. I know I'm good 100 yards from shore in either direction, but when I'm way out in the middle, am I good? (laughs) When I have this one sold and the new one going through a loan process, an appraisal process, and the seller and their deals contingent and all these things, am I good out in the middle? Is that going to work out for me? I think I'll stay put. So those are why we see those things. So um, it's a... It's evidence of a whole a whole big picture that you gotta gotta consider a lot of parts to. Yeah, we got a call here. We have um, a couple here. Yeah, Don calling from San Luis Obispo. Good morning, Don. Welcome to show. Uh, good morning, uh, gentlemen. May we get back to the non-participation rate a uh, bit? And uh, yeah. before I get started on that, uh, tell your bosses this is why your program is important. 
<laughs> because of the nature of what you do, a lot of discussion about well, anything, that, uh, local history, um, local culture, politics, international law, all kinds of things get involved here. But this non-participation rate, and I'm not lecturing you on this because you may know all these things already, but a wider audience probably doesn't understand that. That is not a list that people get on and sign up for. It is about people who don't sign up. And um, after 10 years of uh, you know, a flawed economy, people have learned a, a lot of different ways of managing things. For one thing, there's a certain percentage of people who decided, hey, we're living on one income and managing all right. We have a better home life and this kind of thing. If we've got one good income with benefits, uh, you know, we'll manage, we'll get the house paid out, and then we'll be okay. And there have always been a percentage of people ever since our country began, especially um, new arrivals, who uh, work under the table 40 hours a week, 50 sure. hours, 60 hours a week. And you probably remember about eight or nine years ago, there was a flood of people who became disabled, and they're not going to go back to work anyway soon. It's a, a, a really a group or a body of people that may not get back into the job scene anyway soon, uh, you know, as, as we view it and see it. And I got to thinking about that, and I think there is a kind of a misunderstanding that it's just a, another list that people sign up for. That's not necessarily true. You won't see them out there, and it is an effect in the economy. But often they're they're making a living or having even a better living as they view it. You know, this party gets to stay at home. Uh, you know, with the kids, run down to the junior high school once in a while, all that kind of thing. And um, I'll, I'll I'll let you go at that. But as I said, tell your bosses this is an important program. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the help. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, yeah. Let your boss know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, valid points. I always like to think about it, too. Um, I do this a lot with my wife. Is like she she's prone to hear something and then worry about it, right? Like, for example, um, I don't know what, last – Last week, we heard about a couple more people dying from the E. coli that was found in the romaine lettuce, right? You heard about that? I don't know. People were getting sick from it. Okay. Yeah. Just Here's point. <laughs> they narrowed it down to some farm somewhere that had some E. coli problem going in, on. In Arizona somewhere. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, she could eat this salad and get sick and maybe die. So some people did. I don't know. And it, and obviously, if somebody lost a level one of that, it's absolutely terrible. Um, but I'm going to take the, the callous line here of saying it's like five people out of 400 million or something that ate lettuce in the U.S. recently. So whenever I think about those things, I like to think about, um, well, do you know somebody who? And this is always a good litmus test for what's going on, like – around you let's take a smaller um smaller subset here and try to figure out if this is some if this is news or not and if it's normal or not uh for example um planes pretty safe right i believe so yeah do either of you guys have a first-hand relationship with somebody who died in a plane crash no 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 me either Mm-mm. so i have to say in our peer group sampling, it's like none. Now, how about this? Do either of you guys know somebody on a disability benefit that you believe probably doesn't deserve it or could work in some other capacity? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's a little bit more of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, do either of you guys know somebody who works under the table 
uh, making income in some way that doesn't report the income. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is the thing, right? And it's uh, I mean, I'm honestly. We all do know these people, and there was a time. And here's another. Here's a good example. Do either of you guys know somebody today who is purposefully behind on their mortgage to try to dupe a bank? No, no. In 2010, yes, everybody was. Yes, we all knew somebody that was doing uh-huh. a, str- a strategic default or something crazy like that. So you kind of like look around and you see that we already know that those things are challenges. We have people that, um, and, and to Don's point, I too know people that were a two income household. And when the going got tough and the daycare expenses were huge and all those kind of figured out how to, how to adapt and then have a spouse that just didn't go back to the workforce or at least didn't go back in full capacity, went back in some lower capacity. So, Don, your points, I think, are spot on. I I agree with you. Um, I get it completely. Um, yeah. Anyhow. You had another question? Yeah, I had a listener question. She didn't want to go on the air. but uh, Oh, come on. Go on yeah, the air, listener. <laughs> she wanted to know if there's a, a cap on uh, mortgage interest that you can claim and how it might affect a, a home sale. A cap on interest? Like yeah. in terms of writing off your interest against your mm-hmm. – um, Income? Well, with the new tax law, there is a change to the mortgage interest deduction that you're allowed. Um, Now it's capped. It's not the amount of interest that's capped. It's the interest. It's the loan amount that you're paying the interest on that matters. Asterisks. Yeah? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Two parts here. I mean, okay. So first of all. I have to start by saying I am not a tax professional. Do not take my opinions as advice. If you need to make a decision based on any of this conversation, you contact a tax professional. So first leg to this stool here is what Dan's talking about. There's a cap now on loan amount under the new tax code. You can only write off um, on a new loan uh, up to $750,000. So if you Interest have a, paid on loan amounts up to $750,000. Yeah, so if you have a $2 million loan, you will not get to write off the interest on $2 million worth of loan. And this is a loan acquired after January 1st, 2018. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some cap that happened there. Um, but also, I think the second part to it, which I feel less confident about is where you kick into alternative minimum tax where you're um, at some income levels. I think you lose your deductibility at all. Yeah. You're getting into, I mean, just if you take the income part of out of it and just focus on the mortgage interest, you're limited to loan interest can be written off on loan amounts up to $750,000. So yeah, it could be one, primary residence loan of 750,000 or maybe you have a $500,000 loan on your primary and you have a you have a vacation home or you have another $250,000 loan you could write that off on those two properties um, but it's it's up it's loan amount for any loans acquired after the 1st of this year it's a, a loan amount cap of 750 prior to the 1st of this year it was a cap of a million so those I did read are too um and inve- just really quick, because this gets confusing for people, if you own investment property, 
owning investment property and having a mortgage on that investment property, that interest you pay there is always an expense of what is essentially a its own business. Owning that investment property is a business um, in itself, and you have a P&L for that business. It appears on your Schedule E of your personal tax return, assuming you hold title personally. And so that interest on an investment property is always deductible because it's a bona fide expense of running that business. Correct. So there we go. Um, Is it time to take a break? Should we take a break? Be a good time if you guys want. Seems to. like a good time. Yeah. Let's let's pause there. We we might revisit this topic after we come back. We will. We're we will. This de- definitely. Um, so stick around for more mortgage matters, and we'll be back on this topic. Mortgage matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling five four three eight eight three zero or eight hundred five four nine fifty eight thirty two. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. With trade wars escalating, the market is seeing some serious volatility. Are you nervous? With banks not paying anything on their CDs, where can you put short-term funds for decent growth? Look no further than Century Financial Consultants. We have a new five-year guaranteed product paying 3.6%. This product is tax-deferred unlike a traditional CD, and your rates won't change like an indexed annuity. You're guaranteed. Contact Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 324-7914. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is, we offer numerous zero down and low down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Loan. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 0183960008. California DBO number 6054783. NMLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Conjunction, junction, how's that function? I got three favorite cars that get most of my job done. Conjunction, junction, what's their function? I got and, button or, they'll get you pretty far. All right. 
And it's a train car full of four. Alright, today's kids wouldn't even watch oh, it. No. Man, I love it. Okay, yeah. so we were talking about mortgage interest. We were addressing that question from off air. Yeah, and we don't need to dwell on this much farther, but the only other thing that I wanted to point out is um, if you're one of the people around that have a second, um, a line of credit or a second mortgage on your home, um, a quick Google search will show you um, that the deduction for home equity debt has been eliminated. Previously, it was capped at $100,000, but... When it says that it's been eliminated, it was kind of like, even though you weren't necessarily supposed to do this, here's what people were doing. If you had a home equity line of credit for 50000 bucks or 100000 bucks, whatever you used it for, you would just deduct that as interest and likely you're not getting audited and you know whatever, no big deal. Um, so they got rid of that, that you can't just write off the first $100,000 of your home equity line of credit interest um, is gone. But there's a little bit of a loophole here where if your second or your home equity line of credit was used for either acquiring the property, which sometimes we do, we'll give somebody like a 80% first and a 10% second to avoid mortgage insurance, um, those could still be deductible. Um, and then likewise, if you have a home equity line of credit that you took out maybe to do solar or to do a kitchen remodel, you did something that's bona fide property improvements, that interest can still be deductible, um, provided that adding the two loan balances together doesn't take you over that $750,000 maximum cap. So um, just kind of food for thought. want to let you guys know that as you're doing tax preparation this year or, or if you've been considering those things, probably still want to run it by your tax professional, figure out what they have to say about it. Um, but there is a little bit of misinformation out there. Um, yeah, or we were at least just, drive-by headlines are We were just talking during the commercial break that, you know, we don't know a lot of people that have $750,000 mortgages. Those are, those are not the norm. Um, so really that change in the mortgage interest deduction, I, I think has a... It doesn't affect a lot of people. It doesn't. And I think that's also one of the reasons why it was a, a reasonable um, change in the tax code. Uh, I pulled up this, um, I don't know, valuepenguin.com, however legitimate this site is. But it's talking about the taxes and um, changes. But 2018 changes to mortgage interest deductibility, they broke it out in $50,000 increments from five fifty up to a million um, so when you cross that $750,000 threshold, what change is there? So obviously versus 2017, the thresholds that go all the way through 750 are un- unchanged. You're going to write off your, your mortgage interest deduction and end up just fine. Um, this, then they broke out a second column here versus the standard deduction. Okay. 
for 2018 because the standard deduction is changing for this tax year. Um, so at the 800,000 mark, you're going to lose about 2144 in mortgage interest that you paid that would have been deductible under the old tax code, but you're going to gain $8,155 in the standard deduction for married joint filers. So, and then, and then scooting on along, um, the, all the way up, you know, at a $950,000 mortgage, you're losing about 8500 in that um, mortgage interest deductibility. However, that standard deduction for you is still $8,155 positive. So really, there it's ultimately got to be for people that are beyond that, the million plus. And can we take a minute here and just sympathize for people that have a million or more dollar mortgage that are losing some interest deduction? Let's have a moment of silence for all those folks with their beautiful ocean views or whatever they got going on. Um, it's funny. I, it, on this topic, I'll kind of talk out of both sides of the head because most of the time I, I'm fully in support of the capitalist model where like you, the sky's the limit, buddy. Just go get it. Um, I really am a big proponent. I wish there was just a flat tax. If we all paid 10%, if everybody paid 10%, you know, you make $8,000 a year, you're in a tight spot, that sucks. That's also why you're paying only 10%, very little. If you make uh, Kanye West, how much does that dude make? I keep seeing pictures of him, like, in a Learjet. Let me see if I can find it. Dude makes millions upon millions upon millions a year. 10% for him would be millions. Yeah. So, Cool. Uh, I think, I mean, that that's where I'd like to be. But um, then at the same time here, when it comes to write-offs, I start to lose a little bit of steam. As like, if you're making $100 million a year and you have a $30 million mortgage, should you get to write off the interest on your $30,000 mortgage? I don't know. Why do you even need a mortgage when you're making that kind of money? According to this, $145 million a year. See, that's a lot. Which is a pittance. No, no, no. That's yeah. his net worth. <laughs> the net worth, yeah. $145 million. But wasn't he? Any, uh, yeah. Too much internet junk out there. That, <laughs> who knows if that's <laughs> true? Kim say, Kardashian, like, $150 million for Kim Kardashian. Yeah. West. So if they're, are they still together? I don't know. Yes. So the grand total, $295 million together. Oh, that's that's a healthy net worth. Yeah. Yeah, they might be able good. to go and forward that new Rolls Royce this Probably. year. Probably. Yeah, well, taxes, taxes, we're past tax time. That was so April. Although, if you're self-employed, your quarterlies yeah, are quarter, due for June 15th. So dust that checkbook off and <laughs> yeah. get those checks out. Uh, yeah, just wrote that check this week. That wasn't fun. Hey, when we walked in here this morning, you had an idea to talk about some oh, tips. Thank you. For purchasing homes and what kind of things you might think to ask for in your counter offers or your initial offer yeah. on real estate. Um sounded kind of interesting. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I totally would have forgot. I had a fraud piece here that I was going to talk about that I thought might be of some value to some people, but it would be a small audience. Uh, I want to talk. I did want to talk a little bit about um, 
Yeah, the contract and negotiation piece from the standpoint of getting what you're what you should, what's custom for our market. Um, and then just a couple of ideas for those that are um, going to be transacting real estate. So first of all, in our area, I just want to point this out. It, it's just customary in the central coast of San Luis Obispo. Um, there's there's just some some normalcy to a transaction I just want to tell you about. Okay. My most common, what I see, if you're a seller, you're going to pay 5% commission, which is usually going to be 2.5% to the listing agent and 2.5% to the buying agent. Um, sometimes it's 6 because you go 3 and 3. Depends on the realtor, how how they are at negotiating those things, whatever. But my experience is that I see 5 a lot. So. If you're thinking about selling your house to buy a new one and you're trying to figure out, well, the neighbor just listed for 500000 and I owe three hundred. how much could I net? There's a good start. Take 5% right off top for real estate commissions. Um, then additionally, it's about another percent that you're going to want to factor in for the other miscellaneous fees that you're going to end up paying. You're going to have some escrow fee. You're going to have some seller title insurance fee. You're going to have recording fees and reconveyance fees. Transfer tax. Yeah, transfer tax, miscellaneous things. So budget about another percent in there. So, you know, depending on if you're trying to do rough math, that's just a good start. So that brings me kind of to the next point here is um, in the transaction, if I'm making an offer, I feel like everybody should know. And I think the real estate agents, by and large, do a good job at this, but They should just know that in San Luis Obispo County, it's very common. I'm going to argue that more than 90% of the transactions, the seller pays the transfer tax to the county for um, that's due on sale. And it's a factor of the purchase price, but it's usually, yeah, it's four, 400 to 900 bucks, depending on how big the property is. So, uh, but again, it's customary for the seller to pay for that. So when you're writing your offer up, you know, Dan, I want to buy your house. Um, there's a checkbox on there, seller to pay the transfer tax. Check that box. The seller pays that in our county. It's a that's you need to start your negotiations from there. If your real estate agent has you paying it, um, you're kind of getting hoodwinked a little bit right out of the gate. And then additionally, there's another. Um, the owner's title insurance comes up. Uh, I just the reason this is like fresh on my mind is I I put together a new purchase yesterday where I had a buyer get saddled with paying the property tax on the owner's the title tax. insurance policy. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, what? Why? Um, so I just want more people to know that it's really customary. That's so. Typical. Yeah, in our market, the seller is going to be paying the transfer tax and the title insurance. The, the owner's, owner's title, title policy. Insurance. There's another lender's title insurance that goes on side of the borrower. You should be paying that. And that's um, required. The lender's title is required for any buyer getting a loan. Right. Um, but the owner's title is not required. It's not a requirement. For a loan transaction. Don't get stuck paying for it if you really don't want it on the buyer or seller side. You should understand that. Um, and most of the time, escrow will just open it and disclose it as a fee, and then you'll be paying for it. So, um, you know, just kind of be aware of that. Uh, and then additionally, the the last part that I was really wanting to talk about, um, well, two things. Number one, 
so many times it's misunderstood. There's a checkbox on the contract for who's going to pay escrow, and usually it'll be checked that buyer and seller are going to split escrow 50-50. So for a first-time home buyer, they usually think that means that whatever the total escrow fees are, thousands of dollars that are going to be split 50-50, that's not what that means. What it means is there's an escrow fee. There's one line item called escrow fee. That escrow fee in our market is usually in the ballpark of fifteen hundred bucks, you know, twelve to fifteen hundred bucks, and you're going to pay half of that fee. You're gonna basically be splitting that with the seller because that's the fee to both of you for doing the transaction. Now but the escrow company has many other fees besides oh, their yeah. line item escrow fee. They're getting a new escrow services fee. They're getting a loan tie-in fee, fee, a recording fee. fee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Wire fee. They got a fee fee. <laughs> fee uh, for the they fees. got a foo fee. They got them all. <laughs> They're all over the place, and you're not going to be splitting all of those. Um, so heads up on that. Um you know, and if you're confused about that, that's a good time where you're filling out the offer to to pay attention to those. Um, DocuSign is really convenient. It's made signing the the offer to purchase really easy. However, makes it really easy to miss all the fine. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes it really easy to not used to have to go meet your realtor. You guys would meet at his office or her office at a coffee shop. You'd sit down and go through the contract. You understand every line. Nowadays, the realtor is going to say, "We'll make everything customary, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll check the boxes as necessary. What do you want to do? Um, there's a box for all all refrigerators on premise to be included. There's these things, but I just want to remind buyers: you can ask for whatever you want. And I'm not saying that asking for the moon on every transaction is the best thing to do, but you can ask for them to leave the dining table. You can ask for them to leave that TV that's mounted, you know, in the rock work on the fireplace that you think really is one of the things you like about the room. You can say, hey, you know, TV in the living room be included. Um, one of my favorite things, ask your seller in the counter offer phase or in your original offer, ask them to have the house professionally cleaned. Ask them to have the carpet professionally clean. People forget about this, especially first-time home buyers, where um, there's an the expectation of the outgoing tenant is going to clean the home right. in a way that's acceptable to get their security deposit back. So there you are. You just close. You got your keys. You show up with your big moving truck, just ready to put everything in your nice, clean house. And you you open the door, and you're like, oh. Gosh, I got to clean this place before I can move into it. It's awful. <laughs> no. I mean, most people that bought homes, that um, unless somebody negotiated this, and, and sometimes a real estate agent, a good real estate agent will buy professional home cleaning as a closing gift for their client or something like that. But if that goes undone, um, you know when you get done moving – uh, like you move the boxes and the furniture and everything out of the house and there's like the dust bunnies and a Lego and a penny in the corners. The vacuum doesn't pick it up. There's just crap all around. Um, they leave that stuff. You open up the kitchen, uh, open up the kitchen cabinets. You look down in there and in the back of the cabinet is like crap that you wouldn't move anyway because you were just like, I don't care about that. Um, 
My bad. Yeah. I, when I bought miscellaneous <laughs> junk left around, people leave that stuff. When I bought my house, they left me all kinds of goodies. I to mean, throw the, away. The garage was full, all the cabinets, you know, whatever you stash under the sink Pain. in your kitchen. I was like, I don't want all these old sponges. You're going to get rid <laughs> of used things. motor oil and things like yeah. that. Um, so I like to tell people, especially first time home buyers, hey, Put something like that in the contract that you want that stuff out. And don't forget, too, folks, because usually you're doing this for the first time and or you're doing it every six years. You're just not very good at it. Um, You're going to do a final walkthrough before you close escrow on the property. Don't be afraid to say, hey, this is not acceptable to me. There's still junk in here. There's stuff in this cabinet. There's used mortar on the garage. There's, you know, it's all this weird stuff. I want it cleaned. Um, you can do that. Uh, and you know, if nothing else, somebody in the transaction, you know, seller, agents, lender, somebody could set you up with some, uh, some cleaning if necessary. It doesn't cost a lot to do some move out cleaning, but people just forget about that. And again, it's a first time home buyer problem because you're used to taking on a rental where you walk in and you're like, it's clean. So let me the ask fridge you is clean. Practical question here. Okay. In this market where there's such short inventory, so much demand, can you even get away with asking for stuff? Those little things? Um, I mean, I guess you can't you can ask for whatever, but listing agents and sellers are not gonna like this advice, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it anyway. Um nah. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm used to working with the buyer, right? This, the borrower's the buyer. This is my guy. Um, when you get into escrow, you're going to have your due diligence period where you're going to get your inspections, you're going to get your reports, your home inspection, which reveals some things to you. Um, that's a bargaining chip. And I, I don't want to suggest that you could renegotiate the whole contract. But, you know, for example, when I bought my last house, home inspector said, oh, you got Wax ring on the on the two toilets here need to be replaced. Got some resealing on the roof around a couple vents that needs to happen. I mean, these are things that I feel comfortable doing, but there's some cost there. There's some value on my side to the seller that I would be taking care of this without making a request. So I go to the seller and say, hey, bud, there's these things. And, you know, there are things that I wasn't really aware of when I made my offer to buy your home. I didn't go up on the roof. I didn't check the toilets. Um, so now I'm made aware of them. If I hired somebody to do them, it'd cost about a thousand bucks. So that's the premise. There's a thousand dollars worth of work here. So I'm going to ask the seller for a thousand dollar closing cost credit, or I'm going to ask the seller for a thousand dollars worth of home cleaning or a thousand dollar gift card to home Depot. Um, so that that's the answer to your question, Dan, is there's, yeah, in the seller's market where you, you don't, you're not going to come out guns blazing with that on your first offer, but in the middle, when we're going to renegotiate based on findings of some of the reports from my due diligence, I'm going to take that opportunity to make sure that I get some value out of it at that point. Um, up to and including, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. Sometimes you can get a whole new roof in that point. You find out the roof's bad. You didn't know that it looked good from the street. Turns out it's already got three layers of shingles on it and the third layer is failing. So now it's a full strip and resheet the whole roof. Okay. That's a, that's a big deal. You might need to negotiate for that. Um, but in any case, 
there's almost always room to negotiate something, and you're in a poker hand at that point. So you could say, all right, you know, based on X, Y, and Z, I want the seller to, to have the house professionally cleaned. And the seller can come back and say, based on your request, pound sand. Do you want the house or not? Um, you're in a poker hand. Who's going to, you know, who's going to win? Are you both going to win? Split the pot, whatever. I, that is to be negotiated on every deal. But just don't forget about it. Oftentimes, people fill out their contract. They docu-sign it. They send it in. They're so thrilled when it gets accepted. And then they kind of go through the deal and they forget that, hey, there's a couple things you could do to make this a little better on you. You really like that jacuzzi? Trade that for some of the work that you find out in right. the inspections. Like those things. That's what I was going to say here is that, you know, some of th- these are all pieces of the big offer, the big negotiation. And maybe it's fine to pay owner's title policy fees and pay all of escrow and do that, but you should be getting something for that because that's not common. I mean, if you're getting a a sweeter deal on the actual price of the home, or maybe you're trading out a fee for, you know, in exchange for them to do one of your other things that you want. I mean, but just know that it's all... It's all a work in progress. And again, and this is another one of those things too. Like we talk about this from time to time about why you don't um, use a part-time real estate agent and you don't just use your, you know, your brother-in-law because he's got a license hung with whatever company, even though he works somewhere else. Um, These are the things where a good realtor understands these things they have their their ear to the ground in terms of what's normal in the market they know where the points of negotiation are and and you know and what's okay to ask for versus what's too much and is going to upset somebody well a full-time agent sees so many more transactions and has so many more experiences than someone is doing it part-time right the full-timer is doing 100 transactions a year maybe and the part-timer is doing 12 yeah. I mean, so that full-time person's seeing it more regularly, has more current advice to give you, and just just has so many more experiences. Here we are 15 years into our mortgage career. We continue to learn new things with each and every transaction. And I got to tell you, too, like when I bought my last house last year, I mean, it was a year and a half ago or so, um, man, I kicked myself after my first offer. I'm like, oh, there was things I always knew that I wanted to do. But at the time, I got swept up in it, and I just forgot. Um, And then at the and my real estate agent was Wes. I mean, this is one of my best friends, phenomenal realtor. Um, I wish he would have thought to tell me a couple things too. But we were caught up in the emotions of it, and we were caught up in the time. You know, there's a whole lot that goes into it. So, um, you know, I guess yeah, that's that's kind of the point is that you. There is a lot going on, and you want to know, like, what are the things that are customary? You want to know those things that you can ask for and that you should. And likewise, you want some guidance from an agent that goes, well, bud, you're overreaching, and you're going to sour the the deal with this guy mm-hmm. based on that request that's unusual. Um, so I want to give a quick thank you to, gosh, it was Tom, Betty, Jeff, and Don, and our our anonymous caller for calling in. We always appreciate the calls. It helps make the show a better one. Yeah. I love getting some calls. Let's us know people are listening. Very active Dan, show today. That yeah. Dan great. said he thought that the listeners would be out enjoying the good weather. Um, so it's nice to know that uh, people take the radio out with them in the good weather. 
They're uh, very portable. Guys, I, I want to just kind of let you all know, too, uh, as much as the show is a service, we really intend it to be so. Um, our goal is just to make sure that you guys are empowered and um, educated to avoid some mistakes and problems and know that you have a resource here, too. Um, if you listen to the show, you should know that you have a friend in the mortgage business. So if you need help evaluating a loan for a refinance, looking at buying that vacation home, trying to pay your house off sooner to line it up with retirement, any any of those things really that involve your home, we'd love to be a resource for you. Um, we're available uh, with pretty good hours in the office. You can almost always track us down. 543 Loan rings all of our offices around the county. You can also find us at centralcoastlending.com. Um, Take advantage of that. Let us help you. Let us give you some advice. Let us get you on a, a path to home ownership. We can do, you know, the budgeting and planning and help give you advice about the credit things and how to get yourself in the best spot. So uh, thanks much for being with us. Uh, Dan will be here next week with uh, uh, you know, some other hosts to help make the show uh, as fun as possible. But thanks, everybody, for calling, listening, and being a part of the show today. I'll be back next week with more Mortgage Matters.